0: Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And for our family we serve a couple of compassion children. You may not know this but we have 9 church plants in Ecuador. Yeah, you can give Vanguard a hand, you can give the Lord a hand. We have 9 church plants in Ecuador. Uh, we sponsor over 100 children in Ecuador. We have one church in Ecuador that is named uh, Vanguard. They have it on. They have the logo on their building. And so I would encourage you to stop by, see Lacey after the service today. And I would encourage you to consider as a family, as an individual, as a single, I would encourage you to support this ministry In Jesus' name, they're doing amazing things, and we consider it an honor to partner with them. This morning, as we jump into a new series today, I want to encourage you that God wants to bless your life again. And you may wonder if the blessings and the best days of your life were yesterday or yesteryear's And I want to encourage you, that is not the case. That is not the case. The rest of your life is in front of you. It is not behind you. Amen? Amen. Come on, amen? We're going to have to wake up this morning, all right? The best part of your life is the blessings that God has for your life in the days ahead. And you are going to have to choose to by faith believe that God has blessings for you that he hasn't told you about yet. But as you and I engage in those blessings, here's the reality, is that God has to discipline us from time to time to remind us that he is our father, we are his children, and after he has tested us, he will bless us. Now, we learn from the book of Micah that God wants to bless our lives, but he has to first purify our lives. And in purifying our lives, there are challenges that come with that that maybe we don't want to deal with on the front end, and we want to push away. I want to challenge you today to say to the Lord, Remind me of somebody in my life that prayed for me that I haven't thought about that was generations ago that God is now using in my life today to prepare me in spite of what I may be living in now, in spite of what I'm dealing with now, God is using the prayers of that individual to propel me to do what God has called me to do. I wanna invite you today to take your program, take your Bible, take your internet device. I wanna invite you to share the service today. I wanna say hi to those that are online. I wanna thank you for joining us this morning. We're gonna begin a new series in the book of Zephaniah. Now, you might go, Zephah who? We can call him just Zeph, right? We're gonna meet Zeph today, and he is going to be a bright spot in a very dark time in the nation of Israel. And I want to encourage you today that in the midst of the darkness of this world, you can be a bright spot. God wants you to know that the darker the world gets, the brighter your light can be. Amen? Come on, you guys. You're going to have to talk to me now. Amen? Like, you guys are all asleep this morning, all right? Let's get up. Let's get after it. I want to point out a bright spot. Rachel, would you stand? I want everyone to see Rachel. I want to welcome Rachel onto our Vanguard staff team. Would you welcome her this morning? She's joined our children's ministry. Rachel, thank you so much for being on our team It is an honor and a pleasure to serve with you uh, in the children's ministry, and we're excited about what God is going to do through your leadership. This series that we're doing today is called Recompense. And I want to give you a definition. You'll see this in your program or your internet device. Recompense is to give something, usually money. In recompense, you are given it as a reward or because you have suffered. See, one of the things that God does in our lives is that he blesses us to the extent that we have suffered with him. And so if you are going through intense suffering in your life, you are promised that there is intense blessings that God has for your life. Now, you feel the suffering, and you wonder if that's all there is, but I want to encourage you that God has blessings for your life that are equivalent to the sufferings that you're addressing, and that is what recompense is. And so, if you're suffering greatly, guess what? God is writing a big check for you. If you're suffering greatly, God is writing a great blessing for your life. And as he writes the story of your life, and as it unfolds, as he said to me this morning, as I completed my 96th reading of the Bible, God said to me, I am the alpha, I'm the omega. I'm the beginning, I'm the end. What does that mean? I was there before you started. I'll be there after you're gone. I know how it's all going to go. And what is it in your life that you're so upset about, that you're so worried about, that you wake up in the night and you go, I'm so worried about this. And the Lord says, I'm the alpha, I'm the omega, I got this. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. All right, we're getting somewhere, right? We're starting to get somewhere a little bit. We're starting to understand that the heaviness that I feel that's on you this morning is not all of your story. And if you're going to fixate on the heaviness of your life, you're going to miss out on the blessings that God has all around because you're going to have glasses on that only are going to see the negative of your life. Amen? Amen. All right, we're getting there. Look at Zechariah, Zephaniah, and I'll probably call him Zechariah about 100 times, all right? Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 1. Now, the word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, the son of... Can you imagine having a dad named Cushy? I mean, you're going to get made fun of in middle school with the name... With, what's your dad's name? My dad's name's Cushy. All right. Son of Gedaliah. Son of Amariah, son of somebody say it. Oh, Hezekiah. Who's that dude? He was one of the kings of Israel in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. So, what we learned here, and this is kind of cool. Zephaniah is the only prophet in the Bible to begin the book telling the genealogy of his own family. Now, let me tell you the genealogy of my family. We came from Ireland, right? I'm Irish-Scottish. If you go to where I'm from, Glasgow, Kentucky, which was named after Glasgow, Scotland, if you go to the county that I'm from, or if you go to the state that I'm from, do you know the first question they ask you, Marty, when you go to Kentucky and they find out you're from Kentucky? What county are you from? There you go. What county are you from? Do you know when you go to Ireland, the motherland, and you get there and they find out that you're Irish, you know the first question they ask you? What county are your ancestors from? See, isn't it interesting? Now, in Tennessee, they've got what? Jack Daniels, they got whiskey. In Kentucky, we've got bourbon, all right? Guess what? That's what they have in Ireland. So, so there's all these traditions that come over to this area. My ancestors came into the United States, down into Virginia, and then they went on a cattle drive into Kentucky, into Logan County, and then because they ran moonshine, which you may not know what that is, that's okay, They got run out of Logan County into Barron County. Guess what? That's where I'm from. And I had a great-grandfather named Papa Menace Williams, and he prayed that one day one of his sons would be a pastor. Well, none of his sons were pastors. Matter of fact, my grandfather uh, was married and divorced five times, was in prison. He was abusive to my father. He did not become a believer till much later in life. But guess what? God answered Papa Menace Williams' prayers because I'm not a ghost. And my dad's not a ghost. And our cousin Steve's not a ghost. See, God answered my great-grandfather's prayer at least so far three times that we're aware of that he prayed that one of his sons, one of his ancestors would do what I'm doing. See, I am the physical representation of a prayer, you ready, that was prayed by a man that I never met. I never met him. I I have no idea physically because he died before I was born. Let me tell you about uh, Zephaniah's history. Okay, he had a father named Cushy. We don't know much about Cushy, uh, but here's what we do know. He had a great-great-grandfather named King Hezekiah who was one of the greatest kings to ever live and to ever lead the nation of Israel. King Hezekiah came on the scene and said, listen, we are only going to worship one deity and his name is Yahweh. And he removed all of the sacred uh, demonic idols that were in the temple in his time and he removed all of that demonic warfare and he focused the nation of Israel back on worshiping the one true God. Yahweh himself. Now, he died 40 years before Zephaniah was born. Think about this. Four decades before Zephaniah was born, Hezekiah died. Zephaniah served around 640 BC, which is about 50 years prior to the exile of the nation of Israel into Babylon. Now, let me tell you about Zephaniah. Zephaniah grew up during a time when a king named Manasseh ruled over the nation. Let me tell you about Manasseh. He was so wicked, he was so evil, that he would take the babies of Israel and he would sacrifice them to the pagan gods in hopes of getting the blessings that he wanted. Huh. Now, last week, this is glocal month, last week, Rich Bennett was here. Wonderful man of God, by the way. Besides the fact that he's a Jayhawk fan, wonderful man of God, all right? And they rescue babies, and they minister to people who have abortions, but they have rescue babies, and they help moms And dads find ways forward to save the life of the baby. Now, it's Rachel Sunday, all right? Rachel, you got to stand. I want everybody to see you. This is Rachel number two, all right? Would you guys give Rachel number two a hand? Stay standing, Rachel, because this is what Vanguard's all about. You embody what Vanguard's all about, loving people into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Rachel just recently went on Life Network staff. And what day was it this week? It was yesterday. Yesterday, she's on the phone. uh, Can I say her name? With a woman named Jasmine, who was considering abortion. And Rachel got the opportunity to pray with her to receive Jesus as her Savior. Can you give her another hand? Isn't that awesome? Now, Rachel, who prayed for you? Well, I know a couple of them, they're sitting to the right of you there. And here you are rescuing people, right? The Word of God said to me this morning those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life are going to the lake of fire. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Do you ever wonder why what we do feels so heavy, so daunting? Because what we're doing, to understand, this is eternal work. This is eternal work. Compassion is doing eternal work. We're joining them. We're partnering with them in that eternal work. Life Network is doing eternal work. What Global Month is all about is, listen, we as a church are partnering with other organizations who are doing ministry locally, Life Network, and are doing ministry globally, Compassion International. And at some point, we'll go back to Ecuador. Uh, At some point, we'll re engage those things. I was meeting with Rob Kelly, uh, who was our representative, and Lacey's our representative today. And we continue to partner to live out this mission. Now, Zephaniah loved the Lord with all his heart. And he clung to what his great great grandfather had accomplished for God. And he made his great great grandfather proud proud. As his grandfather, great-great-grandfather looked on from heaven. Now God's going to describe some suffering that's going to take place in the nation of Israel because I want you to understand something. If you live a Zephaniah life and there is a Manasseh king, you're going to have to face some conflict. Amen? Look at verse 2. God says to Israel, I will surely sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away man and beast. I'll sweep away the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, the rubble with the wicked. I'll cut off mankind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. And I'll stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I'm going to cut off from this place the remnant of Baal in the name of the idolatrous priests, along with the priests, those who bow down on the roofs to the host of the heavens, those who bow down and swear to the Lord and yet swear by Milcom a pagan god. Those who have turned back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord or inquire of him. Be silent before the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I'm going to punish the officials, the king's sons, and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day, I'm going to punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a well from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Well, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the traitors are no more. All who weigh out silver are cut off. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps. I'll punish the men who are complacent. I want you to see that phrase. We'll come back to that. I will punish the men who are complacent. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Do you know what complacent people say? Do you know what complacent Christians say? You can go to church. You can not go. It doesn't really make any difference. That's what complacent Christians say. And you hear those voices in your ear. You can go to church or you cannot. It ain't going to make any difference. You can engage in this or you cannot. It's not going to make any difference. And there is a complacent spirit that is captivating many people's hearts right now as we speak. So, how does God basically bring discipline in our lives before he blesses us again. Number one, God judges the complacent influencers in our lives. God judges the complacent influencers in our lives. Do you know who those people are in your life? He tells them three things. Number one, God's going to sweep away everything. He's going to clean house. Number two, God's going to stretch out his hand against them. Time for a butt whooping. Number three, God's going to silence those who stop following him and influencing others to stop too. Time for God to close the big mouths who don't want to do anything for him. And there's plenty of them, by the way. Many people, many Christians right now are getting a PhD in negativity. Verse 13, their goods shall be plundered, their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink from them. The great day of the Lord is near, nearer and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress, anguish, a day of ruin, devastation, darkness, gloom, clouds, thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast, battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. God says in verse 17, I will bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. If you're working and living for money and stuff, you're going to be sorely surprised on the last day of your life. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed for a full and sudden end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. So how does God discipline us before he blesses us again? Number two, God disrupts our abilities and eliminates our resources. Think about this. God disrupts our abilities and he eliminates our resources. God disrupts these things because we depend on them ourselves. And so let me ask you something. Is God disrupting your ability to depend on yourself? Good. That means God loves you. I read in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24 this morning that a mother or father who doesn't discipline their child doesn't love them. Doesn't love them. And so if you have a child, as we are God's children... God disciplines us when we become dependent on the things that will destroy our lives. Look at chapter 2. Now gather together. Yes, gather of shameless nation before the decree takes effect, before the day passes away like chaff, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord, before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commands. Seek righteousness seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. So how does God discipline us to prepare us for blessings? Number three, God invites us to humbly seek him again. God invites us to humbly seek him again. And so where in your life have you stopped seeking him? Where in your life do you need to say, you know what? I am going to humbly seek the Lord in this area of my life. I have wandered away. I'm going to come back to him, and I am going to be dependent in this area. Verse 4, for Gaza shall be deserted, and Ashkelon shall become a desolation. Ashdod's people shall be driven out at noon, and Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to you, inhabitants of the seacoast, you nations, you nations, the word of the Lord is against you, O king, in the land of the Philistines. I'll destroy you until inhabitant is left. No inhabitant is left. And you, O sea coast, shall be pastures with meadows for shepherds, folds for flocks. The o sea coast shall become the possession of the remnant of the house of Judah, on which they shall graze and in the houses of Ashkelon. They shall lie down at evening, for the Lord their God will be mindful of them. Listen to this part. And restore their fortunes, whatever you've lost, you've not lost it, because God sees everything about your life, and if you will come to him, yeah, God will restore it all. Molly, can I introduce you to the audience? Do you mind? All right. This is Molly. I don't know Molly's last name. Molly, when did you give your life to Christ? What day? How how long ago? A few months ago. She just gave her life to Christ a few months ago. She's here uh, with the Hickox this morning. Molly, you are an example of the faithful hand of God. And all of us are encouraged this morning because of what you let God do in your life. And I know you don't realize how important you are to the kingdom of God, and you may never realize it till you get to heaven, but I want you to understand something. I want to speak something into your life. God has his hand on your life, okay? I saw it when you walked through the door this morning. And when you spoke of giving your life to Jesus and the emotion that swelled up inside of you that I saw, I want to encourage you, That is the presence of the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells inside of you. And he is going to do many good things through your life. Many good things. Would you guys join me in welcoming Molly again to the audience this morning? Look at verse number four. God promises to restore what he took from us. There are times when God will take things from us. You ever taken a toy from your child? You ever taken a candy bar away from him as you're going through the grocery store line checking out? They lay on the floor and spin around like there's an exorcism that's, that's happening. Yes. You know, now it's not kids, by the way. I went to the grocery store last night. Now it's full-grown adults doing that, all right? Yes. Thank you, Don. I've heard the taunts of Moab and the revilings of the Ammonites, how they have taunted my people and made boast against their territory. So the Lord's going to turn his attention to our enemies who took advantage of us while he was disciplining us. And I want you to understand something. When God disciplines our life, there are other people around us that take great joy in it. Matter of fact, they just hope God annihilates us. And as God disciplines people, listen to me. If you find great joy in it and hope he destroys them, just so you know, he'll be knocking on your door next. Okay? God does not discipline people because he wants to destroy them. He disciplines people because he loves them. He loves them. And God wants us to love people enough that we're responsible for and discipline them too and to be engaged in this sort of thing. And I want you to understand something. There's there's a phenomenon that's happening in Vanguard right now. And by the way, I think it's happening in all of society. There are so many shameful things that happened during COVID because we were very isolated, we were very weak, and we made some really poor choices. And we got ourselves in situations we never thought we'd get ourselves in. And I want you to understand something, that there are people in our church that are confessing right now and getting clean. They're getting clean. And there is freedom that's coming in people's lives because they're not hiding in the shadows. They're accepting the discipline of the Lord. And there are people that have been listening to messages uh, for the last months, for the last years, and God is wanting you to know that he wants to do freedom work in your life. But he cannot do freedom work in your life if you're hiding what you've engaged in. And if you'll confess it, the Bible says, you go, well, who do I need to confess it to? You ready? I know you're not going to want to hear this. James chapter 5, verse 13. If we confess our faults, one to another, he will heal us. Huh. So I can't just confess them to God? No. No, we need to confess them to each other. We need to confess them to each other. And what's interesting is our Catholic brothers and sisters understand this a little bit better than we do. And we don't provide forgiveness for each other. Okay, and that's the part that they don't understand. We don't provide forgiveness for each other. Only Jesus Christ does that. But because we confess to one another, there's healing that happens. So here's my statement to you, husbands and wives. What are you hiding from your spouse? that you need to go home today and confess to them? What have you been hiding? You go, well, that's ridiculous. Whatever that thing is that you think is ridiculous, the Holy Spirit has his finger on in your heart right now. Therefore, as I live declares the Lord of hosts, verse nine, the God of Israel, Moab, shall become like Sodom, the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a land possessed by nettles and salt pits and a waste forever. The remnant of my people shall plunder them and the survivors of my nation shall possess them. This shall be their lot in the return for their pride because they taunted and boasted against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be awesome against them. For he will famish all the gods of the earth and to him shall bow down each in its place in all lands of the nations. So number five, how does he discipline us before he blesses us again? God promises to defend us again from our enemies. Moms and dads, loving our children doesn't mean we just discipline them. It then means we fight for them. And if you just discipline your children and then don't fight for them, you're not loving your child the way God loves us. God does not discipline us and then leave us in hopes that we devastate and destroy ourselves. There is a discipline that occurs. Moms and dads, listen to this. And especially with adult children, there's a discipline that occurs, but then you have to close your mouth and open your hands and serve them. Serve them. After you speak truth into your child's life, then you have to open your hands and serve them and let them see that it's not about you just telling them what you don't like about them. It is also about after you've brought the discipline, the word, And it doesn't have to be your child. It could be whoever God is having you speak into that you are in context and relationship with. You open your hands and you begin to serve them. Amen? Amen. You also, Cushite, shall be slain by the sword, and he'll stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria. He'll make Nineveh a desolation, a dry waste like the the desert. Drop down to chapter 3. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled the oppressing city. She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing till the morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice. Every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn he does not fail, but the unjust know no shame. Verse 7, I said, surely you will fear me. You will accept correction. Then your dwelling would not be cut off according to all that I have appointed against you. But all the more they were eager to make all their deeds corrupt. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up to seize the prey. For my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour it upon them, my indignation. And all my burning anger, for in the fire of my jealousy, and all the earth shall be consumed. You say, why in the world is all this in the Bible? For one simple reason and one simple reason only. The butt whooping by God is your choice. It's your choice. Amen? So what is the New Testament equivalent to this? Look at 1 Corinthians 5.1. It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans for a man has his father's wife and you are arrogant. Are you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed. For though absent in body, I'm present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. God wants us to take unconfessed sin seriously. So what do you need to bring to him? If you're anything like me, I get tired of confessing my sin to God because it's usually some version of the same stuff because it's the sin that does so easily beset me. It's the sins that do so easily beset me. But listen to me. You don't tell God, you don't confess sin to God because he doesn't know it. You confess sin to God so that you realize he knows it. And not only does he know it, but you know it. And you say to the Lord, I want to be free from this. I want to be free from this. Listen, God does not bring desolation on confessed sin. He brings it on unconfessed sin. And so what is it in your life? What is it in your life that you need to confess to him today? And just a little bit, we're going to Engage in communion, and you'll have opportunity to do that. But for a few moments, we're going to call for baptism today. We've had 3,323 people say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I want to make it public. And I know there's people in this room that want to do that. And I want to encourage you if you've been infant baptized, praise the Lord, we love that. We do baby dedication, those are beautiful expressions that your parents and your grandparents and your family, that King Hezekiah's of your life did for you. But baptism is your Zephaniah moment. Baptism is you declaring who you're going to be for Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ followed uh, this example and was baptized, and he invites us to do the same. So I want to invite you to stand with me. Amber's going to come, or Danelle's going to come, I should say, and we're going to give opportunity for you to respond, to publicly declare. But I want to pray for you before we do this. Heavenly Father, Lord, would you work in our hearts today? It's not about being good enough. It's not about whether or not I can live it. We don't come to you because... We can do it on our own or we figured it out or we're good enough. Those are all the reasons why we shouldn't. We publicly declare today because we're declaring we can't do it without you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would work in each of our hearts today. This is a simple moment. It's a simple step in our faith journey. And, Lord, when someone responds, just like, hearing of Molly's testimony, when someone responds, hearing of Jasmine's testimony, our faith grows. We are strengthened as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, Lord, would you move over our hearts today? Would you give us the courage to respond to you? In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's children said, amen. So what we love to do here at Vanguard, if you're new to Vanguard, is that we love to invite you to come to Nell's down here to my left, to your right. And we're gonna cheer for you when you come. And then baptism is gonna come the first Sunday in December where you're gonna get opportunity to be baptized in a spot near where Amber's seated with the cello this morning. And you're gonna get to declare your story of how Christ has changed your life. So does anybody wanna come today? Come on, we're waiting for you. Anybody at all? Give us something to cheer about today. The palpitations of of your heart is the Holy Spirit saying, Go. Agree with Him and go. Anyone at all? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your faithfulness to us, for your word, for your truth. And God, I pray that you would give us the courage to declare you to the world because you are the only one worth living for and worth dying for. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's children said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.